0: Whoever is listening guys, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann and this is a very long overdue podcast episode. This will be released on Thursday or whenever you're listening. So guys, thank you for tuning in. Due to some unforeseen circumstances, the podcast is back and we're taking a more of a front driver's seat approach than what we have in this semester, but we're starting off with a bang. We're welcoming our first guest of this big slate that I have planned for you guys in Justin Robertson the lead sports editor at the Tiger the lead student newspaper for Clemson University so Justin tell the audience about yourself brag about yourself I see some credentials in the back so just talk about your experience man and just welcome to the show
1: yeah I appreciate you having me on uh so just to give a little bit of background on myself I uh, I'm a junior just like Grayson here and uh When I uh, when I came to Clemson as a freshman, I kind of knew instantly I wanted to go into sports media, so I instantly hopped on the Tiger before I was even on campus. Because as students in 2020, we were delayed because of COVID, so I I hopped on as a uh, senior reporter to start, and I kind of just worked my way up freshman year and just kept grinding, kept putting in the work. I knew I had a deep passion for this career, and uh, you know, flash forward to 2022, and I've been the sports editor for. Just over a year now, about a year and a half, and uh, loved every second of it. I loved covering Clemson football, you know, as you can see with the press passes going to the press <laughs> box. We went to uh, we went to Notre Dame. We've been to the Cheesebowl Bowl last year, so it's been a, it's been a great time, and I'm just very very fortunate and very blessed to uh, be able to cover cover one of the nation's top college football teams.
0: Absolutely, no matter what anyone tries to tell you guys. Clemson is still in that, in that discussion, they were ranked ninth in the uh, CFP rankings yesterday. And so with that, they are uh, reeling off of a loss that many don't want to talk about, but I guess just your initial impressions of the South Carolina game that leads into this matchup with UNC. Do you have a sense of how this team will respond? I mean, it was watching it from the box, Justin, I, I I was almost like a, like laughter where you're like, oh my gosh, what is going on? type thing it was a crazy game to start off and congratulations to South Carolina but what were your thoughts on the game especially trying to create an angle that you haven't probably had to write in a long long time
1: yeah it was very interesting to uh watch how it started and kind of how it unfolded as it as it went down the stretch you know Clemson jumped out to that early 14-0 lead and I was standing there and I was just sitting there and thinking well it looks like it's gonna be another blowout like last year or you know 30 to 0 25 to 0 something along those lines and South Carolina stormed back, and I think at the center of that was Clemson's offense, as it has been the past two seasons. I mean, you look at it, and, you know, DJ threw for 99 passing yards in the game, and it was really just – it was a microcosm of what Clemson has been the past two seasons, and that's their defense can come up clutch in some spots. It can flounder in others, but for the most part, the defense is sound. But when the Tigers need the offense to come, come up clutch the most, it just doesn't seem to happen. And, you know, turnovers especially, I think that's been the focal point over these last few games, going all the way back to the Syracuse game through South Carolina. And as the game was unfolding, it just – I didn't think that South Carolina was going to win, even when Clemson was down 31-30, getting the ball back. And then Antonio Williams fumbles on the punt return. And, you know, he does not deserve any blame. He's a freshman, you know, just trying to make a play there. So I don't want to hear any criticism of – uh, this guy, you know, ruined the win, ruined the streak, you know, whatever the case may be. But yeah, I mean, just looking ahead to UNC, I think it's going to be tough for this Clemson team to kind of bounce back and get over that loss. Uh, the coaching, the coaching staff, players, you know, they expressed these past couple of days, how difficult it was, uh, especially on mental Monday, they just had to put it aside, get over it and move on to the Tar Heels. So I think it was a uh, a very disappointing loss, a very, very, uh. It's gonna, it's gonna, you know, shake some things up in the, uh, in the grand scheme of things, I think. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, it was just, it was shocking. It was, uh, it was not what I expected heading into the game. I thought there was a chance South Carolina would win, but as we all saw, they, uh, they pulled it out, and uh, Clemson is now sitting, you know, probably in the Orange Bowl. But, but we'll see uh, how this Saturday plays out.
0: Yeah. And I think personally for me, it was the, it felt like they they had two moments. It was 23, 14 and 14, nothing where they had the opportunity. And we've seen this in the, in some games against Louisville, like not necessarily Syracuse, but Miami, where they kind of get up in these spots and it kind of stagnates. It feels like it's a little bland and whether you want to call that on Streeter, whether you want to say it's DJ, the off season, like you said, it's going to change a lot of things because losing South Carolina, losing all that home street kind of, snap it's almost like a snap reaction in your head going okay something's not working here our giant streak our giant playoff hope streak all this stuff has kind of been reset so it's kind of a, almost a blessing in disguise for the future just kind of saying hey we got to kind of look at things differently in a way that the way that college football is changing the transfer portal it's become college football free agency as i've said on the show it's uh it's gonna make i think it's gonna allow dabble to look at things a little differently kind of say okay back to square one. How do we get back to the playoff? How do we get back to beating South Carolina? How do we continue all that? But with the championship weekend coming, we have so many different matchups to talk about, but Justin, besides Clemson, is there one that you're looking forward to maybe before the Clemson game or as one's starting, you're going to kind of score watch it because there's a lot of interesting matchups despite how this weekend played out.
1: Yeah. I think the, uh, the PAC 12 championship game is really going to be the deciding factor in a lot of, a lot of postseason. uh, postseason considerations you know i think the top three teams right now are kind of locked in regardless about what happens but you know that usc utah game it could play into a lot of lot of scenarios if usc loses you know you have ohio state and even alabama that have a case Uh, i do think regardless of you know like i said the other three uh, championship games i think those three teams are in but if usc loses ohio state has that case and it can really be a defining moment in the playoff and playoff selection committee. Now we're moving to 12 teams as well. So it's really going to, I think it's going to affect the long-term uh, credibility of the committee as well, because if you look at how they're going to pick these teams, if USC loses, it's going to come down to a couple of factors. And whether you agree or disagree with those factors is, is, uh, is your own personal opinion. But I do think, you know, conference, Championships are are a big part of college football, obviously, and I think this year is a little bit different, where you don't have as many games that could play into the the final four. But you know, the Clemson UNC game between the Orange Bowl and you know what other, other outcomes there are, it's it, it's big. It's big for both these programs, and Clemson winning the Orange Bowl is way different than Clemson winning the Cheesy Bowl, for example. Absolutely,
0: it's definitely a step up. I think people perspective is everything. And I think in the last six years, that bar has been set so incredibly high that an 11 and going 12 and two and finishing in probably the top six, I would say if Clemson's able to pull out an orange bowl, probably against Tennessee in my mind, it's still a fantastic year. And you kind All of, right. you, like you said, it's that step up from the Bowl. no offense to that committee or anything, but I, you go from playing Iowa state to a top program in Tennessee. And I think when I look at the uh, ACC championship, with North Carolina and Clemson, it, it, this matchup has been – the writing on the wall has been on it for about a month, I feel. And both programs have kind of taken a step back in this in the month of November with Clemson dropping to Notre Dame and North Carolina uh, – not North Carolina, sorry, South Carolina. God, the Carolina's mixing me up. But then you have North Carolina dropping games against Georgia Tech, which really shocked a lot of people that uh, Georgia Tech, a team that's been really struggling this year, has an interim head coach. They drop that game. And then they drop a game against rival NC State without Devin Leary. Both programs are kind of having to figure out ways to respond. And you got Drake May on the other side with Josh Downs, who can put up 48 points like a snap of a finger. And you got a Clemson offense that's coming in with a lot of question marks. And so I I don't want to trap you. I don't want to put you in trouble. But is there a scenario you see where Cade Klubnik comes in? I feel like the question has to be asked if we're going to be talking about this game in the large grand scheme of things.
1: Oh, I think absolutely. I think if any fan out there thinks that DJ is going to start, you know, the entire game, I could see Cade come in the first quarter for a couple of plays and and then trying to get him in and some packages, maybe, you know, some rollout plays where he can utilize his speed and uh, athleticism. But yeah, DJ, I think his leash is the shortest, shortest it's been all season. Uh, You know, you had that one game, Notre Dame, it was rough and, that you had Syracuse and you know the Clemson's offense wasn't great but it, it really came down to turnovers in that game rather than, than not being able to move the ball but you know coming off that South Carolina game you've had you know these f- four set of games where the Clemson passing offense hasn't really been there and as Dabo said as Streeter have said when Nick comes in they just needed a spark and against North Carolina offense that as you said up, puts up points Drake May is one of the best quarterbacks out there in the nation you're going to need a spark in some instances. And whether or not DJ can provide that remains to be seen, but I 100% think that we'll see some Klubnik, uh, some Klubnik action on uh, Saturday.
0: Yeah, it's been a debate that's been really the center of Clemson football all season. Going back to the fall camp stuff even, I being at practices, Cade Klubnik always gets brought up. Cade Klubnik here, DJ here. This big – It's it's almost like a swing where you have to like – a seesaw we're going back and forth on the discussion Mm because when you look at games like wake forest or nc state dj plays complimentary football he's the reason we win some of those games and then you look at syracuse the reason maybe he's putting us in a bad position club brings in that spark so i I could see it multiple ways i could see dj having a wake forest like game just because unc's defense certainly isn't as strong as it's been in past years but you never know i I think with dj it's his problem has always just been up here you hit like this Mm -hmm. little hurdle and then it kind of all falls apart because I think when it's all on and it's all clicking, it's great, and it's the Clemson offense really works when it's clicking and it's fast. But when it starts to hit that little bump in the road and the tempo kind of loses its flow, it, it, the offense is best when it flows and it has tempos. That's something you'd probably agree with.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I think any times you've seen Clemson's offense kind of uh, you know break away, you know, especially in that Wake Forest game, they've had the, that tempo, they've had you know a sense of urgency. And I think these last couple of games, you haven't really seen that. You know, they've kind of been sluggish getting to the line. They haven't really gone, you know, quick, no huddle, just, you know, play after play after play after play. It's it's really been interesting to watch because it's really a a tale of the two halves of the season. You have the first half where Clemson's offense, yeah, they might have started a little bit slow in the first couple of games, but they really progressed to a level where, you know, everybody's looking at Clemson again. They're like, hey, this is a national title contender. And, you know, then you have the second half of the season and it's been – it just hasn't been like that. It's been very sluggish, as I said. It's been, you know, not a lot of explosive plays, especially on the perimeter, down the field. And they've become one-dimensional in the run game. And it's it's been interesting to watch that. And I, I'm glad you brought up um, the difference between Cade and DJ because I think fans are kind of just, you know, saying, hey, why isn't Cade and Why isn't Cade in? He's this five-star. He's a five-star. And you also brought up expectations earlier. And I think when you have, you know, freshmen like Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence come in as freshmen and they ball out. I think that sets some pretty unrealistic expectations for fans of what a freshman quarterback is supposed to be. You know, nowadays, a lot of freshmen do have success, but in the grand grand scheme of things, it's typically you want that year, two years to develop and get better and learn the system and learn how to be, you know, a college football athlete. So I do think when you look at the offense, you, you can't really blame any one individual. I think there's plenty of blame to go around. I think everybody's frustrated on Clemson's end. And it's it's going to be interesting to see how they come out against North Carolina if they have that tempo and that urgency, as you mentioned.
0: Yeah, usually I'm not one that's big on getting the ball first, but I'd love to see Clemson's offense with the ball first kind of make a statement, especially just mm-hmm. given everything that's happened, go out there and get that confidence Streeter. That's his word. Honestly, if every time you talk to him, it's confidence, confidence, confidence. And I, I like what you said about kind of with you bringing to Sean Watson, you bring in Trevor Lawrence, who are these freshmen who ball out. We don't really see many national championship seasons where a freshman quarterback beats Nick Saban by 28 points or a yeah. freshman quarterback comes in and wins, does these things like Drake May. It's very rare. And I think we kind of look at it. We look at one situation and kind of expect it to be the norm when that's not necessarily the case. And that's not a knock against Klubnik or anything like that, but that's just something maybe Dabo's tried to run because he had Kelly Bryant start ahead of uh, Trevor Lawrence to start the year. He had Cole Stout to start against Georgia, against Deshaun Watson. It's just kind of the new shiny object comes into town and you want to play with it. So it just becomes this thing and this big storyline. And it's, I think, been exaggerated, especially given last season with uh, how things went. But, yeah, quarterback's always going to be the conversation, and it's probably going to be the same way again next year when, when Christopher Vezina comes into town, another talented freshman, and then Cade having to prove himself against the, uh, the young up-and-coming challenger. So it's just going to be this constant debate. And that, as a program like Clemson, it's never a bad problem to have elevating that competition.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, looking at the quarterback situation, I think the coaches know what they have at this point. I think that's pretty clear. And, you know, you look at Dabo Sweeney, I think it was on Sunday, Dabo said, you know, I think it was Matt Connolly asked him, uh, you know, has Cade been, you know, looking good in practice? You know, what have you seen out of Cade? And he just said, yeah, he's good. He's looking good. And he didn't really provide any more context, which I thought was was kind of interesting. I think the coaches kind of see Cade in a light where he's going to be the guy, but he's just not ready yet. He's not ready to be a starter unless they absolutely need him to be out there. Um, so it, it's it's something to watch, I think, certainly. But if you compare, you know, DJ out there versus Cade, DJ looks like a college football quarterback. Cade's still a bit small. He needs to put on some weight, as Deshaun did as you know, in his freshman year. But yeah, it's it's. I'm looking forward to Saturday. I'm looking forward to seeing how it all plays out because it's a defining moment, I think. You know, you're going to have another offseason where everybody's doubting you, where everybody's doubting the coaching decisions, the quarterback decisions, the recruiting decisions, the transfer portal or the lack thereof, I should say, and all that. Uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a storyline to follow this Saturday.
0: Yeah, even if the playoffs aren't on the line, I think, yeah, both UNC could really benefit from, uh, especially given the month of November they had. So we can honestly start with that with just a prediction. We'll go through all the conference championship games and then. Based on how you predict these things, we'll talk uh, early playoff predictions. But uh, yeah, Clemson, UNC, I'm going to take Tigers. Just kind of, it's just habit at this point, student, uh, working in the media for it. So I'm going to take my Tigers. I think it's going to be a little low, lower scoring than people think, but I think that's still, it's probably going to be something along the lines of maybe 31, 28, something very close, very, you got to feel each other out in the first half. I think Drake May is a freshman coming in in this big environment against Clemson's pass rush. I could see a mistake or two being made. It's just how do they defend Josh Downs with that secondary? They had some miscommunications against South Carolina. I'm going to take the Tigers, but I'm not entirely sure that it's going to come out like that, but maybe you, you're going to pick a UNC upset, but I don't know. You might anger some fans who pick up that newspaper.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, I've been back, on, back and forth on this game all week. I really have. Uh, you know, On one end, you have the Clemson defense has been pretty good, and then on the other hand, you have their offense, which has been kind of subpar. And, you know, UNC has also struggled these past games and as is Clemson. So it's it's really, it's, I'm going to stick with Clemson for now. I don't know right. if that's going to change over the next 24, <laughs> 48 hours. Uh, I, I do think Clemson, uh, Clemson escapes Charlotte with a win and another ACC championship. And I'll say a score prediction of say, uh, I'll go 34 Clemson, 30 North Carolina, but. Oof, at,
0: that'd be a good one. At,
1: as I said, I'm not, I'm not sure if that's going to stick over the next couple of days. I, I might be flip-flopping here.
0: All right. I'll, I'll, we'll definitely have to, like, encourage you, especially my audience that's on campus, go pick up this newspaper. Go read what Justin has to say, especially just because he's got some valuable insight. I read some of his stuff. It's really good. Really great stuff. And with that, we'll move on to our other games this weekend. A lot of championship environment. A lot of fun stuff, guys. Uh, So this one is going to be interesting, solely because Purdue's got this reputation to spoil some things. But I don't think it'll kill Michigan's playoff hopes if there were to be an upset. Do you see that coming? I personally think Michigan's going to get in there. Harbaugh's going to get them focused. McCarthy and Corum. Corum should be healthier. And I think this is kind of just a, they know what they want to do. They got to get to the playoff. It's going to kind of be similar to last year against Iowa, where they just kind of don't let, they don't give Purdue a chance to hang around. I think Michigan's going to take this one in a blowout.
1: Yeah, I think hundred percent, hundred percent agree there. I think Michigan. This might be their year. I think uh, they're they're set up, you know, especially after that Ohio State win last week, where they can make a run and they can truly win this whole thing. It's whether they uh, whether they win this weekend or not. As I mentioned uh, in our first segment, I think they're in regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do th- I do think the game matters though because if they lose and say they're slotted fourth instead of you know second, and they have to play Georgia, <laughs> in the first round. You know, that, that's going to be uh, something to watch. But yeah, as you said, I think it's going to be kind of a route and uh, Michigan
0: just takes it easy. Yeah, that would be an interesting storyline to follow because we we would assume Michigan getting in might be the Ohio State's worst detriment to getting into mm-hmm. the postseason just because of that head-to-head matchup. So you kind of have to hope for something else to happen somewhere, maybe a TCU loss to get Ohio State in there. But yeah, I think that's something they're probably got in the back of their minds, saying, hey, if we can hold off Georgia, who's arguably, not arguably at this point in my mind, maybe might be the most complete team besides Michigan in the in the playoff. We can get a matchup against TCU, but there's no disrespect to what Dykes has built there. But getting a, saving Georgia for the championship might be ideal for this Wolverines team, given the semifinal experience from last year. I don't think they want to get torched again oh, by no. the Bulldogs in the semifinals. <laughs> so let's talk about that. The Bulldogs, LSU, was that team that everyone talks about. Okay, maybe they're the first two lost team to be in the postseason, and they go and lay an egg against uh, Jimbo Fisher. I don't know how that happened. I was watching the game with Saturday my jaw was dropped the entire time because I didn't expect Clemson mm-hmm. to lose to South Carolina and I had no expectation that a 4 and 7 A and M team would take down LSU given everything LSU has on the line. So can they respond and pull an upset against Georgia? I don't think Georgia misses like the play- like you said, they aren't going to miss the playoff with an LSU loss, but I think LSU's a formidable matchup if Daniels is on and Kelly's able to kind of find a way to get this team to buy in for another Saturday. LSU is a little ahead of schedule being in the SEC championship in year one, but I'm going to take Georgia on this one.
1: Yeah, I'm in the same boat here. I think uh, just like the Michigan game, I do think this is going to be a bit of a blowout. Just because Georgia's been there, they've done that under this regime, you know, coming off that national championship last year. and I am shocked to see how quickly LSU has developed as a program under Brian Kelly, especially, you know, starting out week one. I think it was week one, right, against Florida State. they, They had that loss. Yeah, you know, after that, you know, I saw the memes on Twitter and everything about <laughs> Brian Kelly, and they've turned it around. They really have. Uh, obviously, last week, it was a just a shocking loss. Uh, but I do think Georgia comes in there and just and dominates the line of scrimmage, dominates the passing game, dominates on defense. And I just think, I honestly believe that Georgia is set up for another national championship. We'll see what happens, you know, after this weekend and then the championship games and all that. But I, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a route.
0: Yeah, I I think this might be a little bit of a... I never like to say this, especially doing like these podcasts, being a part of the whole group. I I think regardless of who Georgia faces in the semifinal, I think it's going to probably be a route just because of the matchup nightmare that Georgia presents. I think they're a better team than they were last year. And that is saying something given the talent that they got. But the Kirby Smart has found a way to kind of build this program into a mini-dynasty, and we'll see if that holds. That word is a strong word to throw around. But if they can get two in the go for two for two in their national championships two for three, excuse me, with Kirby smart under the, uh, the Georgia regime. As you say, I, there's, there's a word to be thrown around there, but, uh, we'll see how things play out this weekend. And uh, th- a team that was almost robbed or robbed in 2014 in the inaugural rankings is TCU. Who's got a chance to uh, play in their big 12 championship game against Kansas state, a team that they've beat before. It's tough though, to beat the same team twice, but like you said, this one might play a little more of a factor depending on how the game goes if Ohio State has a shot at the playoff. But I think TCU as well takes care of business against Kansas State. I think this is a team that's mature. They got a great passing attack with Quinn and Johnson and Max Duggan. It's a force to be reckoned with, and I think they're going to show it on Saturday. And that's the first game, I think, right? They're always at noon o'clock. Uh, at noon.
1: I believe it is. Uh, yeah,
0: Yeah, they're always at noon.
1: Yeah. And uh, I do want to say, I got a, I got a TCU friend back home. And up until that Notre Dame game where Clemson just got, you know, their, their, their whoops, just, just, they got destroyed flat out. But up until that game, I always said Clemson's the better team than TCU just because of what I've seen. And, but after that TCU has proven time and time again, that they deserve to be in there. And I do think that this weekend, they're going to, they're going to put a seal on their program saying, we belong, we belong in this playoff conversation whether or not they can uh, prove it in the playoff uh that's that's a conversation to be seen but i do think it's uh i think it's going to be tight i think you know kansas state is not an easy opponent i think it's uh pretty clear uh on that but i do think TCU is going to pull it out probably by you know 7 4 points somewhere in that range and and uh yeah i think TCU is going to make their playoff appearance
0: Yeah, i recommend my audience. If if you're watching the United States at 10 o'clock, immediately switch your channel to ABC (laughs) after we advance, after we beat the Netherlands. How about them? A quick little Mm -hmm. uh, tidbit on the United States uh, reaching the World Cup in the the knockout stage. Congrats to them. But uh, yeah, I think TCU-Kansas State will probably be the most entertaining matchup of the weekend besides Clemson just because of the stakes. And I think just TCU, they have this habit of playing in close games, but I think that's going to probably be better. They're better for it. And when it comes to the playoffs, and we'll see how they fare against Michigan if that holds. And our final game, which probably has the most memes surrounded by it by a certain TikTok star, if you guys know what I'm talking about, uh, with USC and Utah, it's a fun matchup. Cameron Rising is probably one of my favorite quarterbacks in college football just because of the way he plays. I think he's a tough sob, and uh, Caleb Williams comes in USC out of nowhere. The transfer portal is magic, guys. They uh, they're able to kind of build this team. Like I would build my team when I was six years old playing Madden uh, and getting all the stars. But uh, Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison and Lincoln Riley have a chance to be in the playoffs in their first year. So does that hold? Do they beat Utah and avenge that loss?
1: Yeah, I think they do. And coming into the year, I was expecting, you know, maybe eight wins, nine wins at USC. Yeah. And and they really they really blew, I think, everybody away, which is how quickly they they transformed the program under Lincoln Riley. You know they bring in all the transfers, Jordan, Ad- Jordan Addison, obviously Caleb Williams, and their offense is among the best of the nation. Now, whether or not their defense is going to be able to hold up, we'll see. But it's a, it's a, it's an offensive game now, and yep. you can, you can wait with just having a flat out, you know, hell of an offense where they just go down, go down the field, score points, drive after drive, and I think that holds against Utah. Um, I really don't see a scenario where. USC is gonna, you know, lose in the blowout. I think it could be close. I think Utah could pull it out. But I think uh USC does come away with the win here and uh makes it to the playoff.
0: Yeah, if we, if USC ends up dropping uh Justin, that would be an interesting set. That would be one where I tune into the ranking show just because there would be right. a little bit of a question as to whether it's Ohio State, it's Bama, or some surprise team. I I doubt they'll even consider Clemson, even if they blot no. UNC, but it's it's Got to get that out of my mind. (laughs) But, yeah, so I think we're predicting kind of a a very simplified version of this playoff. So we got Georgia at one, I'd say, Michigan at two, TCU at three, and USC at four. What's your national championship, and who's your national champion based off of that?
1: Yeah, I think it never goes as uh, we all predict. It never goes like that way. But if it does hold like that, I think I have Georgia one, Michigan two, TCU three, and USC four. And I think Georgia and Michigan are gonna meet in the uh in the in the championship game. I think you know, I think TCU, the spot might be a little too big once they get there. I think Michigan, you know, they were there last year, and I think they are they're they're built to make it to the championship game. And you know, USC, as we just talked about, is kind of one dimensional. They only have one really dominant side of the ball, whereas Georgia, they got dudes everywhere. You yeah. know, they can compete, they can compete with any <laughs> style of football, any team in the nation. So I think ultimately uh, Georgia and Michigan meet in the in the championship game. And if I had to give an early prediction, I'd say Georgia wins back-to-back
0: championships. Ooh. I can hear the state of Georgia applauding you. like mm-hmm. I can hear it now. I just have to take off my <laughs> headphones. But, yeah, I, I'm going to have the same semifinal and I'm going to have the same national championship, but I'm going to go with Michigan just to be different. And at the same mm-hmm. time, I think the Harbaugh can kind of bring this upset, chaotic thing. I think Michigan's been counted out all year. That's kind of been there. Their mantra saying, hey, no one thinks we can beat them. And I think if they can repeat what they did against Ohio State and make plays over the top of the defense, make plays through the air, and not necessarily rely on Blake Corum, I think that makes it multidimensional. And I think they could catch Georgia off guard. Maybe you have J.J. McCarthy make raw the pocket with his legs and make a big throw over the top. Michigan's receiving core isn't necessarily the best, but maybe this weekend kind of gives them that confidence going, hey, maybe we can do something with this. Maybe this is the the formula – late to succeed and i think tcu yeah i think it'll be one of the more fun games there's three mich i still consider michigan a new team to this playoff so it's right. going to be a really i think you'll get a lot of viewership just based off of the different geographical locations you'll have california you'll have texas you'll have michigan you'll have georgia it's going to be a fun postseason.
1: absolutely and you look at if if it holds like that you know you got two new teams to the playoff, I believe, TCU and USC. I don't think neither of them have made it, right, since 2014? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so you got two new teams, and that's going to, I think, be great for the sport as a whole, especially moving to this 12-team playoff format. You're going to have more and more new teams in the playoff, and it's going to be a fun selection show. It's going to be a fun uh, playoff. It's going to be a fun championship game, regardless of who makes it. And if if I had to pick with my heart, I would really hope that, USC and TCU somehow make it in the championship game (laughs) just to watch the chaos and see what happens after that. But I don't know if that's going to end up happening.
0: I would lose my mind. I would lose my (laughs) mind. But, guys, that'll do it for today. Justin Robertson, the sports editor, the lead sports editor of the Tiger, Clemson University's top newspaper. Uh, Guys, you got to check him out. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, Follow all the uh, socials. You guys know what to do. Guys, thank you, as always, for listening to the podcast, episode 108. Follow us on TikTok where you can see a bunch of swag surf videos. You can also find the Twitter where I have some updates on Clemson football and just kind of my own unfiltered opinions on Boston sports because, guys, I'm a maniac. Uh, and also just have a great day, guys. Take care. Subscribe. You guys know what to do. Thank you, guys, as always. Have a good one.